1: I want you to open them up today, please, to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter four. We're going to be looking at just about three verses or so, verses nine uh, through verse number 12. And I I want to just talk a little bit on the subject of friends Uh, at the end of the month. The last Sunday this month, which is about two weeks away, uh, we're having Friend Day here at Victory Church. And uh, this is a national Friend Day. Uh, churches all across the nation are participating in this. and It's a great opportunity for us just to reach out there and invite someone to church. Uh, I think I read a statistic the other day that 70%... Uh, 76, 70 percent of unchurched people are just waiting on the invitation, waiting on someone just to ask them to come to church with them on Sunday morning. Uh, so that's kind of what we want to be thinking about here, and what we want to be doing. and And uh, let's just try on that particular Sunday to have as many folks as we can. Let's think about the people that we network with, and our acquaintances, and our friends, our neighbors, and coworkers, and such. And um, and think about their spiritual well being. And ask them, just invite them to come to worship with us uh, here at Victory Church on that Sunday morning. But in in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, in verse number 9 and following, the scripture says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. And also if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Let's pray together. Father, we stand in need of you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today as we look into your word and as we unpack this passage of scripture, as we just lean into it a little this morning. I pray, God, you give us understanding. Help us to realize how important friends are. In our lives and help us to realize that there's some things that we should be doing as a friend and I believe your word speaks to this and father I just pray that you would help us today and help us to realize that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself and and Lord help us to look to him Uh, the greatest friend that any of us could ever have would be our Lord and if there's one here today that doesn't know you. As their personal Lord and Savior, this one, as this wonderful friend. I pray that today, that before they leave this auditorium today, that they would turn their hearts toward you. They would enter into that relationship with you. Speak to all of our hearts today. Give us understanding of your word. May the Holy Spirit do his work of illuminating the scripture and illuminating our hearts and giving us understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Amen. I found a quote the other day by Charles Swindon. You guys probably are well familiar with him. A great Christian author pastors a great church. He was out in California. Now he's down in Texas uh, and just a great, great pastor. But I found a quote from him the other day, and I believe I have this on the slide so you can follow along with it. This quote reads something like this. He says the neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants. Christ wants us to give his church. It's an imitation. Dispensing liquor instead of grace. Escape rather than reality. But it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It is democratic. You can tell people secrets. And they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes. Not because most people are alcoholics. But because God has put into the human heart the desire to, get this, know and be known, to love and be loved, so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. I thought that was an interesting quote as I ran across that in my studies and my preparation for gathering together and talking a little bit about friends today. There's something instilled in each and every one of us that has this desire and this longing to love and be loved, to know and be known, to go into an environment, to go into a place where where we can have that fellowship. Now, in the scripture, the word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, and it's more than just sharing a casserole together. It's having this this intimate friendship one with another to where you're really sharing life together. I think as I was reading this quote, my mind went back to a sitcom that was on TV years ago. And this may date some of us and some of the younger generation may not even be aware of this sitcom. But there's a short video I want to show you. There was a sitcom and the title of the sitcom was named Cheers. And I think we see this come to reality. I want to show that video real quick. It's the intro for that song. But listen to the words of this song. Go ahead, guys. I think that was so popular because, listen to the words, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad that you came. You want to be where you can see that our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Now, time out right here. I am not condoning going to a bar and hanging out, okay? I just want you to see that regardless of where we are, all of us as human beings have this desire to know and be known, to have this desire to connect in community. We have this desire to come along one side or another and share each other's troubles. Now, I do think it's a very sad day when what we see being played out in a bar is not being played out in the local church. Hello, are you with me? Do I need to repeat that? I think it's a sad day when what we see being played out in a bar is not being played out in the local church. You see, guys, it's in the local churches where we should be able to come and know each other's names, where we ought to be able to share each other's troubles. You see, that's one of the things that I have against parachurch ministries I am a local church pastor. I believe in the local church. And sometimes parachurch ministries come and they steal away that fellowship that should be taking place in the local church. And sometimes people go off into different types of parachurch ministries to really try to discover and find their koinonia, their fellowship, when it should be taking place in the local church. Say amen or me, But that's certainly what's taking place in our world today. I want to talk about being friends and showing yourself friendly and what it means to really come alongside one another and be a true friend. And I want to see that more and more in the life of the church and more and more in the life of particularly victory church. I want us to be a place where we can come in here and share our troubles. I want us to be a place where we can come in here and know each other and be able to have community and live in community one with another. Now, when you look at the scripture that I read earlier in Ecclesiastes, it's easy to read that passage of scripture and think, boy, this is just talking about a husband and a wife. This is talking about a marriage. And I certainly think it's applicable to think about it in the terms of a marriage. But I think the writer here, I think Solomon was, was writing and painting with a broader brush. I think there is a broader perspective of how we can look at this passage of Scripture and not just narrow it down to particularly just a marriage between a husband and a wife. I think this is a beautiful picture of the value of a friendship. Amen. I think there's a great reward, as the writer said in verse number nine, where he talks about this being a great, a good reward. Friendship is a good reward. Matter of fact, what he's simply talking about there, it's a great return on your investment. That's the word picture that he's trying to paint. The greatest investment that you'll ever make is not a financial investment. Are you with me? The greatest investment that you'll ever make is not a financial investment. The greatest investment you'll ever make is a relational investment. Everybody with me? Everyone say relational investment. investment. That's the greatest investment. And the writer is saying the greatest return you're going to get, the greatest reward you're going to get, is not by putting your money in the stock market. It's not by gaining wealth and getting more and more stuff. The greatest return you're going to get on your investment is when you invest in people. Right, And you get that in return, it's the greatest reward that any of us could ever receive. I want us to look, real quickly this morning, I want to talk about four characteristics of a real friend. Now, a lot of times we all look at our Facebook pages, and there's many of you that have thousands of friends on Facebook. And the problem with that is that you think you have a lot of friends, Let me tell you, those thousands of people that are on Facebook following you, most of them are just stalkers. Are you with me? Most of them really don't care anything about you. They're just nosy. Hello? Are you with me? Most of them really. Listen, you'll be lucky if you could get six of them to be your pallbearer at your funeral. Hello? But it seems like in this generation we live in today, we think our friends are all based on the number of friends we have on Facebook. And I'm amazed at how much value people put in those acquaintances that they have on Facebook. And they really think those are true, true friends. Now, some of them may be. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that everybody that's a friend of yours on Facebook is not a true friend. I'm just saying we can't measure a friend by the number of friends or followers that we have on Facebook or Twitter. Okay? Are you with me? You guys track? You say, oh, you know, it seems like Facebook has become that sacred place where nobody wants it. Don't you touch my Facebook. Right? When did we really start living life there? I mean, holy smoke, get out from behind the computer, get off your phone, have some interaction, talk to somebody. Hello? I mean, I'm not against Facebook. Please don't misunderstand me. I throw posts out there all the time, and I try to interact. And I threw something out there today about the praise band was rocking it in preparation for Sunday. But you know my whole intent was that? To, to try to reach that one that's sitting at home thinking about whether they want to come to church or not. That's all I was trying to do. Get them to church this morning. Let them know we are ready. We are preparing. We're, I'm not saying that. So, you see what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I, I don't find my, I don't find my, hold on with me here. I don't find my value in life based on whether you friend or befriend me or defriend me or whatever you call it on Facebook. If you don't want to follow me, that's fine. Don't follow me. I, that's okay. If I see you in the parking lot, I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to say hey. Amen. But it seems like we have so much of our identity caught up in that. I want to, I want you to see what a real friend is. A real friend just simply is not a number that we have. Let me share with you four characteristics of a real friend. I want you to jot these down. Number one, a real friend helps you when you are down. Write this down. A real friend helps you. Everybody say helps. A real friend is there to help you when you're down. I realize it's okay to throw out am praying for you. Bad day. Hugs. You know, you know. Uh, that's kind of how we do on Facebook, right? Smiley face, hugs, XOXO, God bless. That's such, that's weak. Hello? Ah, uh, we need more than that, right? We need somebody to be there with us. When, when our world gets rocked, when we are down, when our foundation is crumbling that, that we're building life on and, and we get knocked down, we need somebody there to help us. Look what it says. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 10. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls, and all they have are Facebook friends. No, (laughs) no. Pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Now, if I'm going to be there to lift you up, I've got to be involved in your life. Right? I've got to be there with you. I see that you've been knocked down. And because I am a friend, I am running to you. We live in this very self-serving world today, do we not? We live in this world today of, we have this tremendous sense of entitlement. We live in this world today where we think that really our world is all about me. I, you know, some, some folks, please don't, please don't get angry with me, I just, wanna, I, just want you to, I just want you to grow in your faith and grow up some, but some folks just need to grow up and get out of middle school. You see, when I remember we were raising our kids, and 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 Tyler, the worship leader, is my son, and my daughter's in the back, and they're t- 24 soon to be, and 21, and so they, they've kind of come through some stages. But I remember, I remember, I remember parenting them through these different stages that they went through. Now, when they were in, actually, when they were in elementary school, life is pretty much all about them. And then in middle school, it all the drama kicks in, right? you know, the playground drama of middle school. And then it gets into high school and it's, it still kind of goes there. But hopefully they're growing out of that a little bit more. But what we all need to grow to is the realization that life really isn't about me. Right. It's about me serving someone else. It's about me giving of myself to someone else. Right. If I, if the scripture says that if I want to have friends, that I must do what? I have a responsibility. I must show myself friendly. Right. So I think a true friend is going to be one that's there to help you when you are down. Not just acquaintances. I'm talking about friends. Well, you may ask the question, how can I tell the difference between an acquaintance and a friend? How can I tell the difference between the two? Let me tell, tell you real easy. It's real easy. Who's there for you when you're down? Who's there literally Holding your hand, giving you a real hug, giving you words of encouragement that's there to help you when you're knocked down. That's your friend. The rest are acquaintances. Are you with me today? Matter of fact, I think Pastor Paul said it best. A few weeks ago when he was preaching, he talked about who are your 2 a.m. friends. That statement has never left me. Who are your 2 o'clock in the morning friends? I mean, who are those people when you get knocked down that you can call them at two o'clock in the morning? And God's, that's your friends, right? And that's what we all need to strive to be. We need to have those people in our life, but we also need to be that friend for each other. Whenever we're knocked down, we need to be that 2 a.m. friend. So a friend really helps you when you're down. Second characteristic that I want you to see about a friend. A real friend is someone who provides, get this, emotional and physical warmth in a cold, cruel world. I mean, it's that one that's coming along and providing that emotional and physical warmth. Now, look at verse number 11, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and verse number 11. The Bible says, also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person keep, or one person alone? Keep warm. Now, I believe the writer here is talking about more than just physical. We can see the physical there. And just the literal, literal interpretation of the scripture, we can see the, the physical warmth that's provided there. And we all know there's some truth to that. But I think the application can spread broader than that. There needs to be that emotional warmth that we bring alongside of each other. In other words, we need to be able to have someone that we're asking the question, How are you doing right now? I, I don't know about you. But when, when your world gets rocked and you're looking around, you're, you're thinking, how in the world am I going to get through this? The circumstances and what's going on in life are stacking up. The odds are getting against you and you're getting rocked from the left and from the right and, and you're, you're kind of almost staggering. You're, you're almost being knocked down. Who are those people that are coming around you to give you stability and strength emotionally to help you get through this series of circumstances that you're in? That is a real friend. Now, as we were going through all that we've been going through around here, boy, man, I remember, there was some real there were some real friends that I had that rallied around me. Because I tell you, I was weak. They knew I was weak. And they came to my side. And I'm not going to tell you the names of individuals, but there were individuals that came to my side to give me emotional strength. Now, The unique thing about that is that there were some who came alongside that I didn't even realize they were concerned about me, but they showed themselves friendly. They came to me when I was rocking and circumstances were stacked up against me and I was emotionally weak at that moment. They came alongside to give me that strength. You need to find those people that can come alongside and give you that emotional strength and stability and a true friend We'll do that. Now, we all know that there are really two types of people, right? In all of life, there's really two types of people. I think I have a slide on this. There's either discouragers or encouragers. There's people that will come alongside in your life and encourage you. Or there's people that come alongside in your life and discourage you. Now, those that discourage you are the people that are involved in your life. And when they leave your life, I am emotionally drained. They have just sucked the life completely out of me. Now, guys, don't look at me like a bullfrog in a hellstorm. I, I try to preach reality. We all have people in our life that just suck the life out of us, right? Come on now. You have those people. You see, they come up on your caller ID, and you're like, you whisper a prayer before you answer the phone. You say, Dear God, whew, help me right here. This... Now, let me tell you, I never say this about any of you guys, okay? But we all have people, not in our church. We have these people, and we push the button. Hey, how are you doing? We know there are just some people that just drain us. Right? Am I the only one that feels like that from time to time? Come on. You don't, don't, ju- don't sit there and judge me. You know you have people in your life like that too. Right? We all do. But then on the other hand, there's those people that... Man, when we see... them, Hey! Why? Because we know that that individual is going to encourage us. Right? Well, let me talk to the discouragers a little bit. You may think, well, how do I know? Am I, am I a discourager or an encourager? Well, let me ask you a question. If all you're doing when you talk to people or you get in a group is you're always telling people how they could do things better how they should have said this, and they should have done that, and this is a better way of doing that, and I don't necessarily agree with everything you're doing there, and you woulda, shoulda, coulda, have, should have, could have had to do all these things. And by the way, let me tell you about all of my troubles. What are you going to do? You, you may be a discourager. Amen. Hello? I'm not saying anybody in here is. And there are times when we do kind of come into a situation, but let me tell you something. Next time when you go into a crowd... Don't go in there and point out all the bad things. Because I promise you, if we look at each other's life long enough, we're going to see plenty of bad stuff. I threw out a Facebook post the other day that says, if you look long enough in someone's life, you'll be able to find some good. Search for the good. Look for the good in somebody's life. We all have negative. We all have some bad stuff that that we're trying to grow through. But there's some good in all of us. Be the individual that comes to the crowd and points out the good that encourages and lifts up and esteems others of greater value than ourselves. And by the way, I think there's scripture for that, right? Sure, there is. It talks about how we ought to come. Paul wrote about it in Galatians, how we ought to come together and share each other's burdens and lift each other up and pray that God will bless them more than he blesses us. That's an other's mentality and not myself. You want real joy in your life? Some of you have lost your joy. Let me tell you why you've lost your joy. Because you've lost your priorities. How do you get joy? Let me tell you what joy is. It's a little acronym. You need to never forget it. When you get them out of order, you're going to lose your joy. But when you keep them in order, you'll have joy. You know, you know how you have joy in life? How do you spell joy? J O Y. Jesus. Others. Yourself. If you keep that priority going in your life, you'll be a joyful person. Right. You keep Jesus first and you keep thinking about others. Let me. How can I help other people? Life is not about me. And you keep yourself last. I promise you, you'll have joy in your life. The problem comes. Was that my phone? I think that was my phone. That was my phone. I apologize. I meant to put that down. That was my ESPN update. I'm sure it's about NASCAR again. I apologize for that. Anyway, here, Jesus, others, and yourself. So don't be, a, don't be a discourager, be an encourager. Number three, another characteristic, another characteristic of a real friend. Not only is a real friend there to help you, not only is a real friend there to encourage you and provide emotional and physical warmth for you, but also a real friend is someone who will, get this now, I like this, a real friend is someone who will fight for you. I mean, they will stand with you to protect you and protect your reputation. That is a real friend. Look what the scripture says. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse number 12. And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now, the day that this was written... In the biblical days and the days when this was written, this was a military strategy that was in play here. And everyone knew exactly what he was talking about in verse number 12 when he says, if someone overpowers you, one person or one person two can resist him. When they went to combat, combat back in the biblical days, it was, it was hand-to-hand combat. I mean, it was kind of gory and it was kind of, it was tough. But whenever they would go into combat, they would almost stand similar to, I tried to find a picture of of some guys standing back to back. That's how they went into combat. In other words, they knew, I've got your back, you've got my back, we're back to back in battle, and let's just keep our backs together, and we'll get through this battle together, right? I mean, there was never, never, ever an idea that my friend that had my back was going to stab me in the back. Right. He had my back. I could trust him. He's got my back. Let me ask you, do you have some friends that have your back? Are they there? And let me ask you this. Do you have some people's backs? We ought to have everybody's back, especially our church family, if nobody else. We should have each other's back. We ought to be able to come in here and a place where everybody knows our name, a place where we share our troubles together and we realize we're all pretty much the same. We should come in here and know that I'm surrounded by people that are going to help me when I'm down. I'm surrounded by people that are going to encourage me when I'm physically and emotionally drained. And I'm also around people that I know they have my back. Hello? A real friend you don't have to worry about. Walking out the doors and stabbing you in the back. But I realize we've all been stabbed in the back, haven't we? Every one of us have. You know, it usually comes with a Christian hug and then a... Right? Right? We've all experienced that. But a real friend, that's a true friend... Man, we're guarding, we're guarding our friend's reputation. If we're hearing something, no, we're, we're not entertaining that. We're not getting in there and carrying on that gossip. We're not getting in there and attacking them. We're not joining that little party. And by the way, it happens. God help us, but it happens. But a real friend is not going to be involved in that stuff. A real friend, when the gossip starts and about so and so and about so and so, and whenever it starts, a real friend's going to say, no, 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 you guys have it all wrong. A real friend is going to say, you know what? It sounds like you're really upset with so-and-so. Why don't we carry out the practice that the Bible says in Matthew 18? And I'll go with you. Let's go to that individual and let's talk with him. Let's try to restore this relationship. That's what a real friend does. Right? A real friend does say, You know what? I felt the same thing. I feel the same way. I felt the same. On and on and on it goes. Next thing you know, you're stabbing someone in the back. God help us. That's called sin. Hello? A real friend is going to fight to protect each other and is going to have each other's back. Let me give you the fourth one and I'll be done. Fourthly, a real friend, and I think this one is important, a real friend is going to help us grow spiritually. A real friend is committed to helping us grow spiritually. Now Proverbs 27, 17 will be the verse of Scripture I want to use here. But the scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. Guys, you realize the greatest gift, the greatest thing you could do for any friend is to introduce them to Jesus and be concerned about their spiritual well-being? Thank God someone invested in me many years ago. Thank God I had someone, thank God I had a friend that was concerned about my spiritual well-being. Because there was a day when I was on the wrong track. I was on the wrong road. I was going the wrong way. And I had a friend who cared enough about me to share the gospel with me. And I had somebody that cared enough about me to help me grow spiritually. You know, all of us as friends, you know what we should be concerned about with our friends? Their spiritual well-being, first and foremost. How are they spiritually? And by the way, you're going to have a hard time sharing the gospel with your friend if you just sat there with them and stabbed a whole lot of people in the back. Hello? Maybe that's why we don't share the gospel. Because we're not living a life that's honorable. We're not living a life that reflects true Christianity. But if you're there and you're defending your friend and you helping your friend when they're down and you're giving them the encouragement that they need when they're financially or even financially or emotionally or physically broken and you're helping them up and you're protecting them and you're fighting for them, I promise you the opportunity will present itself for you to be able to share the gospel with that individual. And they're going to listen to you. Why? Because you've shown yourself to be a true friend in the midst of adversity when they may not have been a true friend to some that they were talking about. And then you'll be able to share the gospel. But a true friend is going to be concerned about that. I wonder as the band comes today, and I'm pretty much done, I just want to share with you those four characteristics of a friend. Let me ask you, are you being a friend? Are you being a true friend? Well, I hope and pray that you are. I hope we all are. I remember watching Cheers growing up as a boy and watching that little program and all that took place there. And what, what a great... What a great environment. Not necessarily all the alcohol. That's not what I'm talking about. But the fact that they cared about each other. Boy, I, I hope we can have that environment here in our church. I believe we do. I hope we can continue to build on that. I hope you sense that. I hope you feel that. And I hope we're able to share each other's burdens and understand each other's problems and come alongside and encourage one another. And But to, to have friends... To have friends You must show yourself friendly Are you showing yourself friendly Someone often said And I've already alluded to this just a moment ago but Someone often said that You have been a success in life If you can have six pallbearers Who are genuinely your friends Right So don't get caught up On how many Facebook friends you have I mean, they may be acquaintances. They may be kind, nice people. I'm not saying anything negative about them. But really, friends are there living life with you. Face to face. Hand in hand. Shoulder to shoulder. Back to back. We're there. Show yourself friendly. All right? Listen, don't leave here and say, the pastor said, I got to get off Facebook. That's not what I said. I just want you to see the difference. right? I try to use social media for the advancement of the gospel and advancement of good character and integrity in people, and trying to build people up. That's my main source of trying to use it. Use it. Use it to promote the gospel. But realize most of those are acquaintances, right? Show yourself friendly. Let's be intentional. I'm giving you some things this week, today, that you can you can walk out that door. You can apply those starting today. You can live those out. You can start being there. Maybe there's some folks that you consider a friend. Why don't you call them today? Call them. Don't text. I'm not against texting, but pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Better yet, ring their doorbell. Go sit in their living room. Have a face-to-face conversation with someone. And tell them, I consider you a friend. And I want you to know, I have your back. I'm going to be there for you. If you need me, I'll be your 2 a.m. friend, Brother Paul. Call me. I'll be there for you. When you're broken, I see you getting weak in the battle. I want you to know I'm going to be there for you. We need people like that in our life. And to have people like that, you can't just, listen, you can't just sit at the house and say, well, nobody cares about me. It's It's not about you. You get out there and start being a friend. I promise you, you will have some friends. Father, today I pray, Lord, you help us in this area. And it all starts first and foremost with having you as our friend. And realizing that we're all born in this world sinful. We're all born with a sin nature. But God, you want to create in us a new person, a new being. The old man can pass away. New man, will rise up and be new, walking in the newness of life. God, the only way we can do that is when we realize that we are sinners. When we realize, Jesus, that you loved us enough to pay our sin debt on Calvary. There you died for our sins. The sins of the entire world says in Isaiah 53 that God placed the iniquity of us all on him, Jesus. The sins of us all were placed on him. He paid our sin debt there on the cross. He was placed in a tomb and He resurrected again the third day. And He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And there He is today making intercession for each and every one of us. We call out to You today and just admit that, Father, we've sinned. We plead and beg and ask for Your forgiveness. We repent of our sins and turn to You. The Bible says that we can be a new man, a new woman, a new boy, a new girl in Christ Jesus. I pray today that someone will cry out to you even now in this time together and say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. Come into my heart and come into my life and make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Father, many of us have already done that. I'm thankful for that and I pray now, God, that you would help us to leave here today with a renewed spirit to show ourselves friendly, to be a friend, to walk hand in hand with you, and to be on mission about ministering to others, possibly even sacrificing ourselves and do it. Help us to realize that to have joy, it's got to be Jesus and others and then ourselves. Bless each one that's here today.